0: Hello and welcome to Media MD, the podcast where every fortnight we take a look at a piece of media that we have somehow missed. I'm Ruben Morehouse
1: and I'm Elliot DeBold.
0: Welcome to season 2, Elliot. This is the first <laughs> episode of our new kind of format. So if you guys missed out on that, well, go back and listen to last week's episode, I guess. Anyway, what do you bring to me this fortnight, Elliot?
1: Yeah, so this fortnight I'm bringing you the sci-fi TV show The Expanse. Elliot
0: this is so out of character for you. I can't believe you're recommending a science fiction television show.
1: I know. You know, I don't watch very many of, uh, <laughs> of things that would fit in that category. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I feel like I waited a bit between the last batch and this one, so it's okay. All right. Um, All right. We'll see. Is my thinking. Um.
0: <laughs> I mean, I bring a lot of superhero stuff to the show, so I feel like it balances <laughs> out. So yeah, a science fiction TV show. Contemporary.
1: Yes, that means current, right? For yeah, our, current. for our, for our less vocabularized audience members, slash host. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it means current. Um, <laughs> yeah. So tell me about it. What is it? Yeah. So this is this is currently uh, airing on sci-fi. Well, it's between seasons two and three at the moment, mm. and it's it's probably the best term to describe it. I don't know if you're familiar with the term hard sci-fi. I'm not. Please elaborate. Yeah, so hard sci-fi is generally uh, used to describe science fiction things that are much more towards scientific and less fantastical. So, for instance, things like Star Trek or Stargate would kind of be soft sci-fi because they Mm -hmm. involve a lot more fantastical technologies, whereas your hard sci-fi is is stuff that tries to stick a lot... You know, just like have a couple of things, like maybe some FTL travel or some teleportation.
0: I'm not super up to date on my American TV networks, but isn't sci-fi channel the one that has like all the original movies where like people fight like giant crabs and shit.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So it is. So is
0: this hard sci-fi or is it just nonsense?
1: No, this is, um, this is one of the few good things that they're making right now. Mm. Yeah. And in fact, I don't think, I actually think it may be sort of getting made by someone else and then they're just sort of airing it yeah uh yeah i don't i don't know if they're making it internally because it it's just frankly too good to have been (laughs) too good to have been developed (laughs) for them to have had their hands too deep in the pie but yeah so the expanse is a very sort of hard sci-fi uh sort of series so uh just to sort of give you the quick summary Mm. it's set 200 years in the future humanity has sort of colonized the entire solar system more Mm -hmm. or less uh, and basically there's a there's like a, a handful of, um, point of view characters. Oh, that's probably not, not the right term for a TV show, but a couple of characters that we Main follow. characters? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's a good word for it. Yeah. Yeah. And they're sort of spread out around the solar system and they're also, they all become involved in, um, sort of discovering this big conspiracy theory that's going to sort of shake the foundations of the entire Politics of the solar system. It's a very politically driven show. Mm. So I mean, uh, I wrote this down to read. I'm actually realizing it might be a bit irrelevant now, but like it was. It's been described by I think it was NPR as Battlestar Galactica meets Game of Thrones. Everyone
0: just describes everything as something meets Game of Thrones. It's <laughs> such a pointless description.
1: Yeah. Um. I mean, I I would say that that holds up because Battlestar Galactica was was quite hard sci-fi. Mm. As well, and then it is sort of—it's got all that political stuff that you'd find in Game of Thrones. But I'm realizing that that's a pretty pointless thing to have brought up because I don't think you've seen either of those shows. Nope. So it's an app description. Maybe but it works. Probably, for our probably not useful. A bit better.
0: <laughs> so whenever I picture. Whenever I picture like science fiction TV shows, and maybe this is just because of like Stargate and Star Trek and whatever, I always picture a TV show where each week they're traveling to a different like planet or whatever, and there is a different kind of alien situation there. So mm. Is this more of like a, a serial drama than a yeah, kind of Planet of the Week show?
1: Yeah, it definitely is. So it's it's completely serialized, and it's actually based off a series of novels. Mm. So the novels are written by wow, James. Wow, just like Game of Thrones. Yeah, uh, James S.A. Corey, which yeah. is the pen pen name of two guys named Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank. Oh. Uh, and they're actually doing the opposite of George R.R. R. Martin, because I believe they're actually writing books faster than the shows coming out. So is that, what, more than one book a year? Yeah, just a little, a little over one book a year. It's about a book every 10 or 11 months. There's two of them. They can um, be more efficient. And, and, in fact, from what from my understanding is, it actually took a season and a half of the show to catch up to where the first book ended. Okay, so, cool. So, um, at this rate, the the book series will probably finish up well before the TV show starts to wind down.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've never... I'm obviously no expert in adapting books into TV shows, but whenever I look at a piece of media and think, how would this work as, like, a serialised piece of content? The trap I always find myself falling into is I... Ex- I expand it a lot because i am so in love with the characters from the original piece of media that i want to give proper time to develop everything so i think Mm. if something is expanding at that rate where it's like or or being like translated at that rate where one book is like a season and a half of tv then it's probably pretty
1: accurate right that's my understanding but uh i mean i've read I've, i've seen some people criticizing some things in the show that they thought the book did better and and sometimes vice versa you know there's People are always going to sort of draw those comparisons comparisons for better or worse. Um, but I've actually got a copy of the first book. so I'm I don't wait, this is a bit different, but it's season two, so whatever, <laughs> I'm going to try and read the book um or as much of as I can in these next two weeks, and that'll give me something to. To bring back to the table next fortnight. Yeah, so I guess, you know, any listeners that are going to follow along or try and get a friend to follow along in the next two weeks, if you've seen the show and haven't read the book, Mm. you know, feel free to join me on that journey. Yeah, cool.
0: Yeah, so why don't you give us a little bit of kind of the setting for the show? Um, Yeah. You said it's spread across these planets, but...
1: Yeah, and I actually, I do sort of want to give you a a slightly more detailed summary than I normally would, just because the first time I watched the show... I actually found myself very confused. I I thought the show did a pretty average job of introducing the various political sort of groups and mm. the current sort of structure of the solar system. And when I sort of... I went and rewatched season one after it had finished when I was getting other people to, to, to watch it. And uh, it made a lot more sense and cleared things up. So I don't know if they were trying to sort of introduced the information slowly in a more organic way and it just didn't land with me for whatever <laughs> fuck reason. That. But fuck that, let's um, spoil it. Go. <laughs> yeah. Uh so basically there's a sort of Cold War situation um in in two hundred years uh, mm. between Earth and Mars. Um so basically Which are both uh,
0: like human colonies, right?
1: Yes. So Earth Earth is obviously still heavily populated, um and you know it's just sort of 200 years in the future that we've just most of the technology uh, advancements compared to like current stuff is basically medical and space travel. Mm. So, you know, earth, earth ha- is now sort of controlled by the UN, which I, I, I'm hoping the book explains better how that happened. Yeah. It's um, unlikely. <laughs> uh, but essentially, yeah, earth is generally considered the the most powerful sort of system and the richest because they have so many natural resources, whereas you compare that to mm-hmm. the other superpower, which is Mars. Mm-hmm. And Mars only really managed to become a superpower because they're they originally a colony of Earth, and then they had a civil war, um, or no, a war of independence, sorry. Yeah. Because basically Earth had gotten in the habit of sending all of like its best scientists over there, and it sort of become like a scientific haven, and all the scientists decided they wanted right. to control themselves. And scientists are notoriously militaristic. <laughs> um yeah, well, surprisingly Mars actually quite is and I mean this sort of brings me to one of the things I think the expanse does the best, which is it's created a quite in like a quite a deep and and sort of expansive uh universe yeah nice nice time uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's actually quite believable like really that that thing I brought up with the UN running earth is really the only thing that I don't understand as to how the solar system got to where it is. Like the whole thing mm. feels quite believable. Like you could picture if this technology existed in 200 years, this is what things could look like. Right. Um, so, so basically Mars is quite like it's described as a hive sometimes and the Martians mm. are bees because basically Mars is so barren that all the Martians are always having to work together and fight to survive. And so they've, they very much work as a hive. They're a collective, all of them are very they're very um, radicalized mm. towards the idea of making Mars ha- like properly habitable. Right, so turning it into even, a
0: proper planet.
1: Yeah, so even though they're a lot smaller than Earth, on general, sorry, in general, they're, they're quite a lot smarter and they're also just all super determined and they all work pretty hard. Um, right. So that's that's basically how they actually managed to stand up to Earth. Mm. Um, and so then the other big the other big thing that's sort of going on is earth and Mars also rely on supplies from the asteroid belt. So there's tons of colonies in the asteroid belt, um, s- sort of around Mars and they're mining asteroids for ice and that sort of thing. And they send out ships to like Jupiter and Saturn to get ice from moons there as well. That area is just called the belt. Uh, it's basically a, a sort of working class area. Um, so it's, is it's quite compar- conservative.
0: Is it like meant to be analogous to the Bible Belt? No, it's more—it's
1: more analogous awesome. to to the sorts of, um, I'd say, the sort of all the mining stuff that went down with Margaret Thatcher in the UK. Right, I see. So they're actually they're quite downtrodden, very low socioeconomically, and they're basically bullied by Earth and Mars. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: and and so there's a there's a sort of resistance movement called the OPA. Can't remember exactly what it stands for, but it's basically a an alliance of all the different sort of asteroid belt colonies that are trying to fight for their own independence because they're sick of basically being slave labor for Earth and Mars.
0: I'm gonna guess right here: Organization for the Protection of Asteroids, something like that. That's my guess.
1: I will tune that's in right. in
0: two weeks to see
1: if I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so the but the OPA because um, because all of the Belters have sort of you know it, it's sort of it's a very chaotic area and all that. So the mm. OPA is quite disorganized and, you know, at, like with any sort of radical um, separatist movement, there's different, different parts of the organization have different beliefs in how they should be going. So some believe in peaceful protest. Others are like running terrorist attacks on earth and yeah, Mars, that yeah. sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So there's like the three main factions then.
1: Yeah. That's, so that's pretty much the state of the solar system. And then, so, you know, the, the show follows like somebody working at the UN on Earth, uh, mm. some people in the belt and some people asteroid mining or mining a moon of Jupiter and all that. And um, all their stuff starts to tie together and they find a big conspiracy, which is all threatening to start a war between Earth and Mars, which, you know, with Cold Wars generally means that nobody's going to come out on top.
0: Yeah. What series is, is
1: it in at the moment? So, it's, it's finished Season 2 uh, a few right. weeks ago, or maybe even a few months ago now, and Series 3 will be coming out, I assume, early next year. Uh, how many books are there, out of curiosity? I think the sixth novel comes out at the end of this year. Mm.
0: See, my fear is that with content that is like this, especially since there are six novels, the story is kind of either wraps up and morphs early on or is just going to be dragged on a lot
1: yeah i I see what you mean Mm. i i haven't seen anything like that yet i do wonder how the current stuff that i'm seeing could go on for that much longer so i've had the same concern that it's that like you said it's gonna actually eventually hit that thing where it'll either morph or just end up dragging out but at least for the first two seasons it's the show's just been an absolute like um roller coaster ride like, so it's, it's fast paced yeah it definitely is and that was i was i was completely astounded when i found out some of the stuff happening in season two was still in book one because i was like how much how, stuff how is big is this first book, one? book yeah um i will say the show does start off a bit slow i think maybe two mm. or three episodes before it really sort of kicks into gear it, it yeah. takes a while to sort of establish everything and just get started but uh
0: well hopefully if i have a little bit of of pre-knowledge going in that will kind of help ease the burden there.
1: Yeah, that's, that's what I'm hoping. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, this show has been called the show the fandom has been waiting for since Firefly, so.
0: <laughs> okay. Um,
1: Come yeah, on. And that was by, that was by George R.R. R. Martin. So. But like, okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like pull quotes like that are just asking to be like mocked. <laughs> i mean it's so like it sounds so desperate although i guess if it's george r r martin saying it then it's like at least has an air of legitimacy behind it
1: yeah it's it's not just random journalists from random publication from like goodtv.com
0: or whatever <laughs> is that a real site i'm gonna feel real bad if that's a real site now good com. <laughs> oh whoa it's what is this It's, okay, we're going to pivot now because this is really interesting. (laughs) So I went to goodtv.com and the tagline says the online channel of choice. And then it just has a bunch of pull quotes that are all from Anonymous. They're all attributed to just Anonymous. And the quotes are things like TV is not dead. It's reborn. Or like forget fake news, forget bad news. Finally, good news. It's so weird. I don't understand.
1: (laughs) I'm actually sorry. I've just loaded this website as well. I'm very confused. <laughs> okay, listeners,
0: forget about The Expanse. Go to goodtv.com. This is very confusing. And, weirder, its official launch is... Wait, is that, like, in a week? Yeah, it is. Oh, God. Well, we'll check up on goodtv.com <laughs> in two weeks when we do yeah, our part yeah. two on The Expanse, I guess. Um, yeah, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to kind of get into it. I'm, I'm excited yeah. to watch it now, I think. Yeah. Hard sci-fi. I don't know if I've seen much hard sci-fi. So I'm not sure if it will... I mean, I love sci-fi as a genre, but I don't think I'm, I've am i seen much hard sci-fi. So I'm interested to see how it will kind of go.
1: Yeah, well, because, I mean, I think I've talked about this before in our Stargate uh, episode. Ever since sort of Battlestar Galactica aired, mm. uh, the whole sort of sci-fi television industry has sort of switched to a much more gritty, hard sci-fi yeah. Type thing like it went from being fun like it was back in Stargate and Star Trek and and even X-Files um yeah. to you know every show there's a couple that I still watch like like Dark Matter and Killjoys and and they're all right but they're they're too stuck in being you know everything is grayscale and yeah. and not lighthearted hearted enough. And well, Where does this where does the expanse sit on the spectrum? Yeah, it's very much in the serious side but mm. this would be the first show since Battlestar that I would say actually does well out of that like Mm. all these other science fiction shows it just feels like they want to be a science fiction show that was more like the fun types but they're stuck in this weird middle ground where they're too serious whereas the Expanse yeah whereas the Expanse actually you know is the first thing that delivers on this promise of what Battlestar you know was meant to have set in motion it's it's really fast-paced and still quite serious but you know has has humorous moments it's not completely dull okay but yeah
0: all right well i'll check it out um and to all of our kind of listeners at home you can follow along with us as we're kind of going through it if you want to uh watch along with us you can have, head on over to the subreddit which is reddit.com slash r slash media md and post your thoughts in there and we'll kind of see how the community feels about it in our part two in two weeks yep Awesome. Well, we'll see you in two weeks then. See you, Elliot. See you in two (laughs)
1: weeks.